This is the Everyday AI Show, the everyday podcast where we simplify AI and bring its power to your fingertips. Listen daily for practical advice to boost your career, business, and everyday life. How can creatives actually get AI into their workflow, right? Like we talk about it all the time. This tool, this technique, this problem solved with Gen AI. Generative AI can do all these creative things, but how do we start? And then where do we take it from there? That's what we're going to be talking about today on Everyday AI. Welcome. This is your daily live stream podcast and free daily newsletter, helping everyday people like me and you make sense of AI. My name is Jordan Wilson, and I'm super excited to be talking about future crafting and, and what AI means and kind of this AI creative revolution that we have going on. Everything from you know better, faster copy to, to images, to video, to just even you know what it means to be creative. Uh, in this new day of AI. So uh, before we get to that, we're going to start as we always do and go over the daily AI news. And as a reminder, if you're joining us live, thank you so much. Please get your comments in. Uh, have a great guest lined up for today. But what do you want to know? What do you want to know about uh, creativity and AI and putting it to work for you? Please leave us a comment. And if you are listening on the podcast, thank you as well. Check your show notes as we do every single day, not just to subscribe to that free daily newsletter, but to also, we always leave other important information, uh, relevant, um, related stories in the show notes. So check that out as well. All right, let's start out with the AI news. Well, pretty, pretty big news because we have two big names in tech teaming up. So we have NVIDIA. Yeah, you know NVIDIA and Foxconn. So they've announced a partnership to build what they're calling AI factories uh, using NVIDIA chips and software for various applications, including uh, self-driving cars. So this is uh, NVIDIA teaming up with Taiwan's Foxconn, which is the world's largest contract electronic makers, also maker of the iPhone. Um, then obviously uh, NVIDIA is the leader in the GPU uh, chip race. I don't even know if it's much of a race um, because no one's really keeping up. But uh, you know, NVIDIA is driving everything uh, on the Gen AI side, specifically with the GPU chips. And uh, Foxconn is one of the biggest names in uh, cons consumer electronics. So it's going to be super interesting to see what they uh, announce and what comes out of that partnership. All right, next piece of news. Britain is aiming to be a leader in AI safety. So Britain is set to host the first global AI summit with the aim of positioning itself as a leading player in the tech sector after Brexit. Uh, so the summit will bring together key figures from all over the world, including some interesting uh, sides coming together here, the US, China, and EU, uh, to, uh, and the EU to discuss existential threats posed by AI and international collaboration on regulation. I'm personally excited to see what's going to come out of this, if anything, because, you know, we have uh, U.S. and China don't always come together on these global matters. So this is going to be interesting to see what transpires there. But also, you know, the EU is really leading um, in AI regulation, whereas here in the U.S., we haven't really touched it. So um, it's going to be interesting to see what comes out of that, if anything. Uh, last piece of news, more AI is coming to you, but through the drive through all right, so a new Axios report shows that places like Sweetgreen, Wendy's, Chipotle, IHOP, and others are looking into a new type of workforce, and that is AI robots in the drive-thru. 
Uh, so quick serve restaurants are uh, and chains are increasingly implementing AI technology in their operations with robot servers, bartenders, kitchen robots, and more being used to enhance efficiency and reduce labor costs. You know, the, the whole AI in uh, the drive through thing is not necessarily new, but with generative AI, now it can actually sound like a human and kind of be useful. So uh, let me know what you think. But that's not what we're here to talk about, robots and drive throughs but maybe we will. I don't know. Uh, we're actually here to talk uh, future crafting and talk a little bit about the AI revolution, and I'm extremely excited for our guests. So please, if you may, help me welcome to the show. There we go. <laughs> we have Brian, Brian Sykes, AI Whisperer at AI Explorer. Brian, thank you so much for joining the show. Oh, thank you so much. I'm, I'm honored. All right. Well, hey, just quickly tell tell everyone a little bit about who you are and what you do. Uh, Brian Sykes. Uh, I'm known as the AI Whisperer for AI Explore. Uh, I started in September of last year doing a daily post on LinkedIn uh, and grew a following kind of rapidly, um, approaching 13,000 followers there. So, And it's it's basically I'm trying to daily teach gen- generative AI to the creative professional and uh, had a lot of fun in the experience. Yeah, it's, it's, I agree. Like, I think LinkedIn, uh, you know, and we're streaming live to LinkedIn right now. I think it's a great place to, to, to learn generative AI. And I've seen anyways, right. Um, similarly by putting out a live stream on generative AI every single day, the AI community in general, Brian, and I'd, I'd like your thoughts on this. It seems like a much more, uh, welcoming and collaborative space, I think, than other industries, you know, you, you know, marketing or advertising or even creative. I mean, have you noticed the same? I've noticed the same. And it's really interesting because most of the early adopters, especially in the generative AI uh, text to image space, have been creative professionals uh, who are kind of dabbling to figure out what this thing's all about. And there is an open sense of open sharing. They're kind of excited about, hey, I figured this out and uh, they want other people to kind of know. Um, and you're right. There's not this protective nature for the most part amongst that community. It's kind of like, hey, this is cool. It's It reminds me of, like I was telling you earlier, of those early days of learning Photoshop at the very, very beginning. Um, I'd sit up in the computer labs with fellow students and we'd be like, Hey, look at, there's a thing called layers. <laughs> and we were, you know, figuring this stuff out together. Uh, so this is sort of what it feels like all over again. Oh gosh. You, you know what? I was, I was literally talking about Photoshop with my wife, I think like yesterday and, you know, back, uh, I don't know, 15, 18 years ago. Yeah. Like, like even Photoshop was so hard to, to, to maneuver. And, and now, you know, Adobe just announced all of these new gen AI, uh, features, you know, Canva c- continues to push the game in that space. It seems like, and, and Brian, I, I like your take on this. It seems like what used to take even like small tasks, like, you know, designing something in Photoshop that used to sometimes take many, many hours now takes a couple of seconds. Like, have you seen this yet personally? Oh yeah. I mean, the, you know, generative feel on Adobe Photoshop just revolutionized the game. Um, You know, to have a four by six image and you suddenly need it to be a tall, uh, being able to just come in and expand the canvas and generative feel, that's that's just amazing. Yeah, it's, um, yeah, the, the creative space, is changing so quickly. And, and, you know, that kind of brings us, brings us to the point of, of today's show and, you know, talking, you know, future crafting, uh, in the AI revolution, let's maybe give people a little bit of background. Like let's even talk about like what future crafting even is right. And, and, and also Brian, like 
take us through even your, your, your personal journey, maybe, um, you know, or your sure. professional journey, you know, as being someone that's, that's worked in the field for multiple decades, how have you seen the creative industry, you know, kind of change, uh, you, well, you know, specifically, yeah. you, you know, the big jumps that we had over the last decade or two, but then what is this, the, the pace now of, of change in the creative field? I, I think this is kind of interesting. You know, I, I just touched on the fact of starting when, you know, Adobe and desktop publishing was literally entering the field. And I shared recently a video um, that was a news broadcast from when a, when Photoshop was first introduced. And then the, the, the verbiage that's used around it sounds exactly like the same things we're hearing today around generative AI. There's this this sense that desktop publishing was going to, you know, kick people out of the industry uh, that, all these jobs are going to be lost because of desktop publishing. It levels the playing field and people who spent so much time and energy mastering these skills were no longer valuable. But I think the reverse is true. Um, you know, just because you can doesn't mean you will. And so this is the thing I keep finding is even though uh, Photoshop definitely made it a whole lot faster than having to go do photo editing, you know, in a dark room, um, we're able to advance the speed of things, which means we're able to be more, uh, accessible to our creative ex- abilities. Now, with generative AI, uh, it's really it's an amplifier to the creative professional. I was mentioning that I created a, a generative AI manifesto, and one of my points is AI as amplifier. I'm going to read from my note here. It says, our tools may be cutting edge, but they serve to enhance, not replace, human creativity. Mm. The human element is still core to everything that we're about. Uh, you, even though generative AI is going to fast track and help us to do some things quicker than we have ever been able to do before, uh, it's still the human element and the human creativity that's going to make a difference. Yeah, Brian, I do, I do want to follow up, but, but real quick, just as a reminder, if you're joining us live, uh, thank you very much. Uh, Dr. Harvey Castro saying good morning to the community. Uh, Alar saying, Hey gang, uh, Cecilia just saying, welcome to Brian. Uh, Jay saying, Brian, thanks for being here. Yeah, Brian, thank you for being here. I'm excited for this. Um, Hey, and get your questions in live now. If you're listening on the podcast, make sure to check out the show notes, subscribe to the daily newsletter, come in and join these conversations. So, you know, Brian, one thing you talked about is, you know, mentioning you kind of wrote these uh, different points on your uh, Gen AI creative manifesto. And and one thing, one thing that you mentioned there that I, I want to dig into a little bit deeper um, is, is saying uh, about how AI will enhance, but not replace human creativity because personally I'm on the same page as you, but, uh, it, it, there's, there's a lot of people even in the creative industry right now, um, that don't necessarily feel the same way. And they say, okay, uh, this is kind of replacing, uh, human creativity, you you know, look at this, you know, this art project that, you know, I would, you you know, kind of birth from zero, um, and it might take, you know, days or weeks and now you can do it with the click of a button. So how do you kind of respond to those people that say, no, no, Brian, uh, AI is absolutely replacing human creativity. Well, it goes back to my thought around generative AI is AI is still a tool. Um, And how you leverage a tool, you know, it really is the makeup of the human that's using it. In other words, you can take a skill saw and a table saw and sander and put it in the hands of anybody, and you're going to get a result of some sort. But if you put it in the hand of a master, somebody who really understands the craft, they're going to produce furniture. They're going to produce things of quality. In the same way, generative AI in the, the hands of a creative person who understands the terminology, they understand the language, they understand design direction, they understand storytelling, they're going to be amplified by the capabilities that gener- generative AI offers them. In other words, they're not hampered 
by this idea of a tool that fast tracks their stuff. You know, the idea of Photoshop, what's interesting is, you know, Photoshop allows us to do things so much faster than you could in a dark room. That doesn't remove the fact that there's still a human hand involved. Mm. We can sometimes get lost in the idea, well, all I did was put a prompt. But prompting is language to itself. You have to know how to speak effectively to get a result that you're after. Uh, you and I were talking recently here on uh, the idea of ChatGPT, where if you let ChatGPT create the content for you, totally, it's going to look like ChatGPT generated the content. It, does, it loses the human element. Uh, so we have to engage with it as a human uh, and pull out our personality, pull out our, our heart and our passion mm. and the story uh, so that we're engaging in a creative way. Mm. Yeah, it's it it is such a good point. And yeah, we were right before we went on, you know, I was kind of griping to Brian, you know, it's you can tell when people use uh, minimal effort on the front end in creating generative AI content, because sometimes it does kind of leave a digital footprint of, oh, okay, yeah, this, this seems like there wasn't a lot of effort put into it. Um, and, and, you know, uh, some, some great comments here from the audience. So, uh, Michael saying it may be the individuals that didn't previously know the creative tools that designers know now have the ability to use generative AI as a tool instead of using as a professional. That's a great point, you, you know, um, Brian, and I'd like to get your take because, you know, even as someone that's, you know, quote unquote, I've been a creative for, I don't know, 15 to 20 years, you know, doing this professionally. But now, you know, someone with very little experience can come in and if they, you know, if, if they put a little bit of work into it, not even a ton, they can uh, dis, uh, display and exhibit a level of creativity that used to take many, many years to refine. Uh, is that a good thing or a bad thing for the creative field in general? I think it can be a good thing. Um, and the reason is because creativity is never something we want to squash. You know, creativity is problem solving. And I think the beauty of design as a whole is to be able to amplify that and get better results. You know, it's, it's speed to result, but it also opens a lot more doors. Now, you're right. There is an element of, hey, suddenly my job's maybe being taken away because uh, another person can do it and no longer need me. You know, the nature of, of life is everything constant is change. In other words, nothing ever stays the same. If it did stay the same, then we're going to kind of like, I want to continue at this status and never have to worry about anything changing. Well, uh, I didn't mention, but I ran an agency for 23 years from July of 99 until December of 2022. And over that time, I had to make multiple pivots in order to stay active and effective in the industry, you know, from uh, desktop publishing, uh, that was where I started with things in, in, in marketing and branding and such. But then I added web development. I had to learn HTML and I learned Flash and, you know, I learned all these basic tools. At the same time, I was a teacher. Uh, I was an Adobe certified instructor. So that's how I met Josh Cavalier from yesterday's talk. Um, I was teaching people how to use these tools. And it goes back to the same concept of, well, because you can do it with Dreamweaver, we no longer had to hand code in HTML. Well, now we're taking jobs from people who, you know, were hand coders. That same argument gets repeated over and over ad nauseum, where there's a place where we can complain about the technology that advances things and moves us to a new place. Uh, but we need to leverage these tools and then kind of go for the next step. How do we now take this and then find a new way to solve new problems? Um, don't get stuck in your mindset thinking that, uh, just because I can't continue doing it the way I've done it, I need to just quit or it needs to be, you know, the field needs to be made level for me. Um, you as a creative, especially with your skill set, are able to amplify the possibilities inside of these new technologies. Generative AI is amplified greatly 
because of the knowledge that you bring to the table. Like I mentioned to you before, uh, garbage in, garbage out. If you have a person who doesn't really understand design and they can get in there and prompt, yeah, they can get some interesting visuals. But again, the story that we're trying to do here is we're trying to convey a core idea in a way that's compelling and engaging and it moves the audience. Uh, so that's kind of my take on it. Hmm. I love it. And, you know, uh, Brian, I also love that you took us through kind of real quickly there, like the history of, of some recent tech innovations. Yeah. You know, I even remember the same thing, you know, when, when Dreamweaver came out and it, it said, oh, you know, web design is, is gone, right? Like this new Dreamweaver thing. And, you know, hey, by the way, how, how are people still using Dreamweaver? You know, nothing, nothing against it, but it's like, <laughs> that still is a thing and that still exists. And I'm, and I'm not sure how, um, you know, right. very, yeah, a, a very, very interesting um, kind of comment here, you, you know, from Brian, he said he hundred percent agrees, you know, gen AI is a tool in the right hands. You can yield great results in on hands, uh, in unskilled hands, not so much, but I do even have uh, a follow-up to that. And I wanted to, to get your take on this, Brian, you know, so we did say that, you know, prompting, um, is a language in and of itself, you, you know, kind of like what Woozy just, just commented here. Uh, but you know, one thing I've even started to notice, um, is maybe a de-emphasized or a, a deprioritized, uh, you know, just less of a priority on the actual prompt, right? Because if you're talking about, you know, creative Gen AI tools that many professionals use, such as, um, you know, Midjourney or even like Dolly. So now we have Dolly 3, which is OpenAI's uh, AI image generator within um, ChatGPT. But you can put a simple prompt now in Dolly and then mm -hmm. Dolly will spit it out. Uh, in, in four different use cases and change your prompt and expand upon it, right? So we have that side of the coin. And then in mid-journey, you, you know, uh, back when it was, you know, mid-journey four point something, prompting really mattered. And I think right. now, you know, as we're at mid-journey 5.2 and, you know, whether it's 5.3 or 6.0 or whatever's next, it seems like prompting is even becoming less and less important. So how do we even then find the balance of, of keeping that yes there is still creative input that goes into this when we can reap the benefits of the creative output. I, I'm going to go back to the idea of it's still the human driver. And, you know, when you look at MidJourney and you look at some of these other platforms, uh, yeah, you can get some really interesting results. But I want to be the director. I want to be driving this thing where I want it to go. Um, I, Google introduced the uh, Imogen uh, with the labs.google, which allows you to do a prompt or basically I want a picture of, and then it creates a series of four images and it has a variation of how it prompted to get the result. And it functions much the same way Google search does. You know, like if I type in, I'm trying to find a pizza joint near me or whatever, then it interprets that and then gives me results. Well, that's kind of the same way it's creating the images. And so what's happening in that is you're releasing control of the, the results that you're getting by telling the search engine or you're telling the prompter, um, I kind of want something in this vein, you come up with something creative and then you pick from those the best or what you like the best. Most professionals are not at the mercy of something that just gives them something. They're looking for a specific look, a specific result. And so prompting becomes still at the front and center of that because we're trying to drive it to where we want it to go. Now, I do think that as Dolly 3 with ChatGPT is fully integrated and you can have conversations, then we're able to say, okay, it gives us a series of images and we can say, I like what you've done here. Let's refine this and move it more in this direction. I think that's actually pretty cool because you're able to then still have the driver's seat engagement with it. And you don't have to have the right prompt to get the result that you're after. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, I still think there's an, a, a conversation that must be had 
with the computer to direct it to get what you're after. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, Brian, like one thing when you were saying that, that I thought of, you know, again, I've been, you know, designing websites and doing graphic design and creative content for, you know, 20 years now. And yeah. it seems like even now, I'm assuming more of the role of a, even when I'm the one creating with generative AI, it seems like I'm more in this role of kind of like art director or creative consultant than the one actually doing the creative work. Uh, is, is that kind of the future of creative work is, is you are stepping out of in theory, you know, kind of like a pen to the paper and you are more of the consultant or the, the, the art director, so to speak. I think so. I mean, I think that's the nature of, of quality of design to begin with is we tend to, as creatives, want to kind of put our stamp on things. And especially when we're young in the industry, the idea is, you know, I'm going to make a mark and here's how I'm going to do it. It's going to look this way. It's going to feel this way. It's going to express. So I can put this in the portfolio as I'm 100% responsible. But, you know, the nature of agencies to begin with is you have the guys on the bottom. And, you know, no cut to them. This is where we cut our teeth and we get figuring things out. We learn the basic tools and things. But as you advance within a career in the design field, then you're responsible for directing the people beneath you to create the results that's going to address the the problem or the concern that the client has. Uh, So more and more, I think this is what's happening is generative AI is going to open the door for creative professionals to be able to engage this at a earlier entry point. You know, they still have to have the knowledge to get the results that they're after, much like you had to with any of the tools and the things in the past. But we're going to become more and more directors uh, to refine the messaging that we're after. It still has the human element. That's still the core piece. Hey, this is Jordan, the host of Everyday AI. I've spent more than a thousand hours inside ChatGPT and I'm sharing all of my secrets in our free Prime Prompt Polish ChatGPT course that's only available to loyal listeners like you. Here's what Lindy, who works as an educational consultant, said about the PPP course. I couldn't figure out why I wasn't getting the results from ChatGPT that I needed and wanted. And after taking the PPP course, I now realize that I was not priming correctly. So I will be heading back into ChatGPT right now to practice my priming, prompting, and polishing. Everyone's prompting wrong, and the PPP course fixes that. If you want access, go to podppp.com. Again, that's podppp.com. Sign up for the free course and start putting ChatGPT to work for you. Y'all, there is there is so much great knowledge being dropped. I just have to pause and say, make sure if you're not already subscribed to the letter, go to uh, to the newsletter, go to youreverydayai.com. Sign up for that because today's newsletter is going to be great because there's going to be so much great, uh, so, so so much great uh, just bullet pointing of all these insights. But, you know, I Brian, I kind of want to get back to the beginning. And, you know, I, I kind of started the episode with, you know, hey, with, with everything that's going on um, in Gen AI, how can you actually you know, how can creatives actually put gen AI to work? Um, what is your recommendation? You know, as, as someone that's, that, that ran an agency for two decades, um, you, you know, yeah. how can you actually put gen AI to work? Because it seems like it's the never ending question. Yeah. So I'm actually, I launched something called AI labs. It's underneath my AI explore and it's a long-term engagement with creative professionals where I'm going to walk them through basically a year's worth of content development. And you're going to see a lot of changes happen in this space. But what's amazing in this is what I'm doing is I'm trying to make generative AI a part of the creative workflow. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've read the book, Atomic Habits, excellent book, 
But the concept there is he dwells on multiple times is the idea of we need to integrate. If we want to do something new, we need to integrate it into things that we're currently doing. And so as a creative professional, we can't just say, oh, mid-journey, cool, and go play with it and then figure out how to make it work. We need to integrate it into the daily task that we're engaging with. The same with ChatGPT and these others. And so we have to revolutionize the approach that we're taking in our creative workflows in order to get the results uh, where generative AI is playing a part. So with the AI lab that I've launched, uh, what I'm doing in that is we're working with creative professionals and working through a series of, of projects. And I'm laying out the projects and I'm pulling you outside of your normal mental mindset. And what the idea is, uh, for example, the very first project, this one's fun. Um, I'm doing the history of advertising. And so I start with 1830s, uh, where we have the handbill and posters. And so the very first project is we have to create a handbill that's six by nine, um, where we're going to create a smartwatch. And so what would a smartwatch look like for the 1830s? And so it's not modern technology. It's information based off of where we are uh, at that time frame. So what's funny then is it helps us to think outside of our box. So we're so used to the idea of create a social media post. Okay, well, we know what everybody else's social media posts look like. Uh, we can use these tools. We have to get outside of our normal range of thinking and then figure out how to integrate these tools in this new way of engaging. Uh, that's what opens up the door and creates new possibilities. Mm. Yeah, it's it does seem like there's no shortage uh, of way to tap into generative AI, especially as a creative. And, and, and maybe that's why it's difficult, right? Uh, but but great, great question here uh, from, from Maybrit uh, saying, what is your specific, what is your favorite use case for creativity with AI? Uh, one of the funnest things I think is being able to visualize ideas. Um, for example, I did a, a post a while back, a YouTube video where I I went through the idea of what if I did a book review or a, a book video, you know, the idea of here's a new book that's being released. I'm going to visually tell part of the story to get people engaged. And it's almost like a movie trailer, but about a book. Um, imagine that as a, a true concept of being able to sell a storyline with visuals that you can create and you can animate, uh, you can throw sound to, and you can kind of lay the groundwork. Um, this to me is really exciting because instead of saying, here's a product and here's some fun, fun thing I can do with Midjourney. Like how do you actually integrate the creative possibilities of generative AI in you know, unique ways? So that's, that's what I find fun is every day finding new ways to express that. Hmm. You know, um, another, no, another great uh, question here from uh, Cecilia, which I think sometimes we overlook, right? Because we, we, we jump into these generative AI tools and they can just create great things, but it's like, what went into them? So Cecilia's question is asking, how do you think that AI is being trained to be more inclusive and diverse so that it helps provide us options that help us overcome systematic implicit bias? Great question, Cecilia. What's, what's your take on that, Brian? Cecilia, that's a great question. I think the biggest challenge we run into is the, the original training models were based around existing content. Um, you know, the volume of information, for instance, I remember there was a complaint uh, about using the term royalty, king, whatever, and then getting the results. And it was always, here's a white dude with a crown. And they're like, okay, this is, this is not really showing a true, inclusive and diverse presentation. Well, the reason is because most of the pictures we have in the world today of kings is going to be typically, you know, a white dude or men. And so the challenge with that then is how do we get the AI to think outside the box itself? Um, we begin teaching it and saying, okay, it doesn't have to be limited to when you use the term royalty, it does not have to be the existing image set that we're working from. 
uh, royalty can now have some new terminology. So it's part of the training model where we actually integrate with the, the training itself and show it to think outside of itself. Or in other words, look outside of the realm of images that it's been trained upon. You know, and that's that, that that actually leads me to another question, right? Because earlier we talked about how, you know, garbage in, garbage out. Um, yeah. How can creatives um, maybe push the boundary a little bit and to, to, you know, use these generative AI systems? So, yeah, whether we're talking like, you know, an AI image generator like like Midjourney or Dolly, you know, text inside chat GPT, maybe video inside runway, because if you are, quote unquote, lazy on the front end, if you do the bare minimum, your, your, your output is, is going to be, uh, you know, pedestrian. So how can creatives even go through that process of using generative AI, put in a little bit more to get something a little bit better? I think that's a great question. So here's the thing that we, we as creatives are so intuitive in what we do that we don't walk through the mental process of what we're doing. In other words, when you jump into Photoshop and you're going to edit an image, you don't mentally go, okay, I need to you know, open up this, this panel. And, you know, like if you had somebody over your shoulder watching what you're doing and they said, okay, stop, don't, don't look at what their computer, walk me through the steps that you just took. We would mentally have to really do some, you know, some work to think about the processes that we took because it's so intuitive. It's like driving a car. We don't even think about it anymore. So when you're engaging with ChatGPT and you're engaging with MidJourney and these other platforms, now we got to step back a little bit and say, okay, if I was explaining this to somebody sitting beside of me, how would I communicate it in a way where they understand the result that I'm going for and the means and the processes to take to get there? Okay. Uh, this is really the way you best engage with generative AI is you need to explain it to someone who's extremely smart, but not very intuitive and not very you know, self-driven. Uh, so we need to kind of guide the whole process. Uh, I think with ChatGPT, what's fun is a lot of times I'll engage with, are you familiar with, say, the work of Simon Sinek? And it'll say, sure, certainly, I'm aware of that. And I'll say, okay, I like his book, um, Why? And I want you to take from that concept and help me write copy that relates to you know, some topic. And so what it does is it has a point of reference, and then it can drive the conversation around you know, that, that theming. And it'll say, oh, by the way, whenever we're working with Simon Sinek, he likes to start with why, and then he does how and what, and he asks these series of questions. You know, so, and then it able, it's able to kind of drive where we're going with things in a way that's intuitive uh, to me, but not so much the generative way. I had to kind of get it there uh, with some information. So that's kind of the best way is, is utilizing your knowledge and then explaining it to the generative AI. It's yeah. Reverse, you know, kind of even reverse engineering, uh, yes. you know, your, your, your results or your intended results, I think is, is such a good, um, you know, piece of advice there. And, and even, you know, my quick take on it is, you know, if you are using a gen AI system, it's, it, it's not supposed to be one input, one output. You're supposed to go back and forth. You're supposed to have a creative conversation, you know, kind of like I, you know, being, being the art director, right. Uh, a great, you know, you know, great, great comments from uh, Douglas here as, as we uh, wrap up the show here, uh, but saying, I just used Dolly three to create a picture and then Canva to expand the picture for a project for my son's school project turned out great. Uh, Br Brian is, are we at the point now? And, and maybe given your background working in creative fields, are we at the point now where it's, it's almost like a level playing field where, you know, I think, you know, even five years ago, 10 years ago, people really had to, to put the hours in quote unquote, 
right. to, you know, kind of meet that minimum threshold of, you know, uh, something that the, the general population could look at as something and be like, oh, this is creative work. Um, is that yeah. down to about zero now? Uh, that's a great question. I think, you know, I, I don't say that it's level playing field in the sense that it's even for everybody because you still have the human with their knowledge set that's going to drive this stuff. Um, so yeah, the, the potential's there. It's sort of like, um, you know, I could say everybody has access to Adobe Photoshop that can spend the money to buy a copy. So the field's level for Photoshop. Well, that's not quite true because you still have to get in and learn how to use the tool. And I've been using it since the very beginning and there's still new things I learn every time they you know, update with some new thing. Um, so what's funny is when it comes to generative AI, yeah, the potential is there for it to be a level field. But you still have to put in the work. You still have to, you know, figure out how to engage with it effectively. Uh, that's the reason there's people like yourself and myself and Josh Cavalier and others who are engaging with this stuff and saying, okay, we need to look at this more productively and think how can we get the best results from it. Um, so yeah, the potential's there for it to be level, but that's not the way most things really work. It still requires the human element and the human engagement. Wow, you know we. <laughs> We covered literally so much, but Brian, just, just as our, our final closing thought here, um, you know, let's say someone now is tuned in and uh, what's, what is that one parting piece of advice that you can give to people to say like, Hey, when you're looking at the future of creativity, here is the one thing that you should be doing to make sure that you're still practicing that creativity and you're still getting the most out of generative AI systems uh, in the future. Uh, that, that's good. Uh, so uh, every single day since September 1st of last year, I've shared a how-to on generative AI uh, on my LinkedIn profile. Go there. You've got almost, um, let's see, 380 some days now uh, of content that you can go through. Additionally, the, the content keeps coming every single day. Now, the best way to utilize it is to jump in and start doing. Um, don't just kind of read it and save it and put it somewhere else. Uh, you know, And then one thing I do... Uh, so this is, you know, my book, I, I wrote AI Explore Prompt Fundamentals. But what I've done at the front of these books is I have a breakdown of how I approach learning. I, to get the most from the book, read it, do it, share it, explain it. And the reason is because as we take the time to teach other people what we're doing, uh, it opens up the door for other people to learn how to do these things. But also the process of teaching is just kind of this almost selfish endeavor because it helps us learn it even better. So as you utilize these things and engage with them, share it, put it out there. It's going to help grow your, your reach and your capabilities, uh, but it's also going to amplify the, the possibilities of generative AI. The more you use it, the more possibilities you'll see uh, and just open up new doors for you. Mm, love it. You know, read, do, share, explain. Such great, great advice uh, for people looking to get the most uh, out of everything here. So, uh, Brian, thank you again for joining the Everyday AI Show. We appreciate your time and your insights. Thank you so much. All right. And hey, as a reminder, just go to youreverydayai.com. Sign up for that free daily newsletter. We're going to be providing a lot of different resources that Brian talked about in that newsletter. So thank you for joining us. And we hope to see you back for another episode of Everyday AI. Thanks, y'all. Thanks. And that's a wrap for today's edition of Everyday AI. Thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a rating. It helps keep us going. For a little more AI magic, visit youreverydayai.com and sign up to our daily newsletter so you don't get left behind. Go break some barriers and we'll see you next time.